Hello and welcome to the Total Quidditch podcast, a place where we talk to the people who make Quidditch what it is and give them an opportunity to share their stories and experiences of the sport. I'm Fraser and I'll be your host. We're now on to episode six of the pod and six happens to be the same number of European titles that today's guest has won in their Quidditch career, not to mention five French Cups. A keeper, captain, coach and all-round leader who, along with his France and Paris Titans teammates, has turned winning into a habit like no other on the continent. Albert Brejo, bienvenue. Merci, thank you. Thank you, Fraser. <laughs> Good to have me. Yeah, it's great, great to have you here. Firstly, how are you? I'm fine. I'm super fine, even though, of course, the situation is not the best, but um, I'm just fine. Happy to talk and discuss Quidditch with you today. Super, super. So I've noticed during the pandemic, you've picked up a new hobby. Uh, could you tell us about your Twitch channel? Yeah, sure. Uh, I decided to use the time I had because I was unemployed for a while. Uh, I'm currently looking for a job as a statesman, if anyone, you know, look for <laughs> one. <laughs> uh, and yeah, I decided to to start a Twitch channel just because I, I got the, the fiber in the building and it was you know, a good time to test it. And then I decided to go both gaming and also Quidditch. And especially on this Twitch channel, uh, we had uh, opportunities to, I had opportunities to to meet and to invite coaches from Europe and, you know, discuss games and feedbacks. We already, you, we also did, um, goes through the titans playbook it was something people uh liked i think and i'm on my way uh translating it in english so the people who who need it we will have it in a in a close future this this is a good experience so far okay it's a good good way to use your time both to sort of enjoy playing games and things and also to be productive in terms of quidditch and sharing knowledge i think that's fantastic yeah, definitely definitely so we'll jump into the main part of the episode now. So starting at the beginning for you in your Quidditch career, how did you get into the sport? Did you play any other sports before you joined or was Quidditch brand new to you? Oh, I, I did play a lot of sports be, before Quidditch because I jumped in Quidditch uh, during my uh, student life and I used to study sports in a sports school. So obviously I had a ton of sports before Quidditch, um, mainly ball sports, you know, team, team plays sports like, like volleyball, basketball, uh, even ultimate. Uh, I also used to play, you know, table tennis, tennis table, table tennis, <laughs> this one, uh, and some judo too, some karate. I used to play a lot of sport and when I discovered Quidditch, it was thanks to a friend from the university. He, want me, he wanted me badly to be in the team just because you know how hard it is to, to pick new players. It was seven years ago, so even harder than now. Uh, and I just gave it a try because it was random luck. Uh, one of my basketball matches was cancelled uh, on a weekend and I decided to, to go for, for a try. And I played maybe two, three hours. And at the end of this, uh, the guy who who offered me to play with him, uh, Corwin, 
he, he used to play for, with the Paris Phoenix, and he offered me to join the team in the EQC. Like, why not? <laughs> <laughs> so that's how I did start playing Quidditch. Like one training, kind of, and then EQC 2014 in Belgium, and this is when and where that started. Oh wow. I think that really speaks to your personality, how you love to try lots of different sports. And then your basketball match was cancelled and you thought, okay, well, I'm not doing anything at the moment. Oh, there's a Quidditch session. Okay, I'll, I'll try this. And then you ended up going to the European Champs. That was, that was your very first tournament, right? Oh, yeah, it was my, my very first time uh, playing a, a game, actually, because it was only drills when, uh, when I discovered the game. So, yeah, I didn't know you, you know, that you, you, you can use the, the quaffle uh, as a shield. You know, I had no clue about all these tiny rules. Uh, this was just amazing. I, I had no clue why and, and where the, the snitch went at the beginning of the, of the first game. And then I, I learned <laughs> on the speech how and exactly what to do. That was something. Mm -hmm. it was, uh, yeah, it's quite extraordinary jumping straight into European championships. And obviously Paris Phoenix did a very good job at that tournament, went all the way to the final. They just lost to the Radcliffe Chimeras um, for the, the final match. So uh, after that game, I sort of, Going, going all that way, having, I assume, a lot of fun. Was that the moment you, uh, you thought, yes, this is the sport for me, I'm going to take this seriously? Or was it still just pure fun for you? Actually, at this time it was, yeah, pure fun. But more than uh, getting into the final of this tournament, the main part of my decision was uh, when I meet uh, when I met uh, Valentin on the team. He's still in the team, and he was for him too the first ever time playing Quidditch. And we we get to know each other, and we are like, "What the fuck is this really <laughs> happening?" I mean, can we basically, without knowing the rules, being the finalist of the European Championship? Like, how far can we go? Uh, at this time, we had the opportunity after the final to, you know, sign a little guy uh, disguised in Harry Potter, and he was like, "Can can I have the can I have the the sign the signature? Because uh, I, I want, you know, with the the play, the guys, the girls. There, there was some boys and and and, uh, and girl scouts. Uh, I used to be a scout. I'm still in my heart, <laughs> and, and it was this whole atmosphere, and I was like." Yeah, yeah, why not? And after that, it was just, again, being lucky because I get injured during a practice of Quidditch. And because of that, I couldn't play basketball for two years. Mm. So it was all in Quidditch because for some reason, I don't really know how and why, I could play Quidditch, but not basketball. Oh. <laughs> like my, my, my shoulder was okay with one and not with another one because maybe at this time, Basketball was more intense than Quidditch. It used to switch <laughs> at some point. Yeah. But yeah, this tournament and this Valentine meet was definitely very important to it. Yeah, for sure. I think that's something that a lot of sort of, I guess, sports people find when they discover Quidditch. They go, hang on a minute. If I really stick this and it's really fun and enjoyable, then 
there's a there's an opportunity to go really far and play in these big tournaments and have these big moments and sign autographs and all those nice things um yeah that's, yeah, that's true so one thing many people in europe don't realize about paris phoenix the team you were playing for at the time is that they played in america uh sort of m- many years back they went to the usq cup back when it was still called the world cup and other teams could attend from outside america um so as someone joining the team um obviously you didn't go yourself but how important would you say that experience was for uh, quidditch in paris yeah i wish i i'd be part of this team at this time to be honest uh i'm pretty sure that this uh helped a lot of people uh you know to get involved in quidditch especially in paris because now that we can know for sure that's really really good athletes girls guys around the world are, are playing this and this is already something somewhere i'm pretty sure this give the opportunity to involve you know the people more in the game and that's for the best uh i i wish like every single french or european team can one day you know just test this kind of uh, atmosphere uh, and game and just the whole thing. I mean, in my dream, it's like when you start uh, to create a, a team of Quidditch, first time, first thing you do is going through the world uh, and match again. People or just watch people with your real life, not just movies or, or clips. They, this must have been for them, uh, yeah, the start of something. And maybe without this, you know, they won't, they, they wouldn't have, they wouldn't have been uh, capable of, you know, uh, sticking with the same group of people because some of them will say, yeah, you know, Quidditch is fun, but yeah, where, where, where are we going actually? So this particular uh, USQ Cup was something probably French Quidditch needed. And I'm happy that I joined after that, after this hype. And I, I met players who who went to to America and they were like, you know, starting the eyes. Yeah, yeah. Okay, okay, you you think you, you can be good at the game because yeah, you know, you play DQC and blah blah, but yeah, we know. <laughs> and <laughs> we're like, yeah. yeah, exactly. Yeah. I love to be humble. I mean, uh, I wasn't a good basketball player at all. I wouldn't have dreamed for a FIBA or an NBA game with me involving it. But with this kind of information, intel I've got from those players, I mean, uh, that could be us. It was close, you know, and just because of that, it built up. In my opinion, the whole Parisian quidditch um, sense, kind of, yeah. and how how we how we think about the game and how we want badly to to be there for good reasons. Okay, so I guess it really gave you the motivation and sort of the insight into seeing these really good quality American teams because at the time European quidditch wasn't anywhere near what is nowadays 
of course yeah, it was kind of a ricochet yeah <laughs> maybe <laughs> thanks to the guys and the girls who went there in the first place yeah it's a, a pretty pretty valuable experience for a team to have and, uh, i know myself i'd love to be able to take my club team over to the us and play some games it'd be fantastic yeah it's for sure uh so after the 2013-14 season paris phoenix deceased and from its ashes rose the now infamous force the paris titans what was the reason for the new team did things change much between the two or was titan simply a rebranding of the phoenix team mm, actually the reason for the new team uh the only reason i can give it's you know from my point of view because we yeah, we were on the same page at this time um me as a player uh, as a person when i start something uh i go all in and that's for the best and sometimes for the worst but <laughs> when i decided to to go into into quidditch and it was obviously with the paris phoenix i wanted to to play the game as much as we can and at this time i think the phoenix association uh the people in charge they weren't ready to to know to, to give the key to give the baby to someone else and this someone else mm. was kind of me plus more people you know around the team but yeah they probably saw that we were stealing the team because you know when we decided with valentina that we could do something with the team we started to bring more people from our circle like mm. i bring maybe five of my friends he also did bring five of his friends so the new team was yeah not a paris phoenix base anymore uh, and at some point there was there was this time uh, in the summer they decided to to keep uh, the goals so we cannot train until they decided we can yep and this was too much for me i mean who are you to do that but this is super personal that's on oh, my course, point yeah. of view. <laughs> but i uh, i decided to to go against them against the association not against the player of course um and at the end of that they kicked me out because uh. in my opinion they were scared and they were unaware of how the other players were thinking because everybody wanted to actually go to the training have access to to the goals and to the brooms and, and stuff yeah. so i'm super happy with what happened with titans because uh we basically decided uh all the players who decided to leave the phoenix to create titans we had 40 people it's a lot of people some of them were from um, the paris phoenix and some of them just were friends of us and of the new core uh and and these 40 people we decided to to sign all together the new team with the new mm -hmm. jersey we, we had like a, a huge uh, reflection not reflection uh yeah we were thinking you know, a, a world thinking yeah. pro process uh about how how the the team should be and where we want to go uh, and it was the the best time actually so yes the things change much between the two uh titans wasn't simply a, a rebranding of the phoenix team 
and I'm super happy with the, the identity of the association plus the identity of the Titans team. And now we've got the Olympians. I mean, this whole stuff, uh, I'm super proud of, not because I did it, but because everybody trusts the process. And now everybody's happy, I think, uh, with the, with how we handle the, the association. And now we've got kids playing the game in the association too. I mean, yeah, some stuff we couldn't have done in the Paris Phoenix, in my opinion. Mm -hmm. uh, that's, that's really fascinating. And, uh, yeah, I think it's really important with a lot of teams that you need to be on the same page. You need to be thinking the same way. So if you have, you have certain teams where certain people play for this reason or for that reason, and those teams don't tend to be the ones that are really successful and get the, get the most. And in the end, not everyone's happy. In some cases, nobody's happy. So at least this way, you have this strong team identity. Everyone's, everyone's part of this new team for the same reasons. Uh, yeah, it's obviously served you very well. Would you say that's the key to your success as a, as a club? Yeah, maybe. I mean, you, you need good bases to do anything. So the strong base bases, yeah, this must be the the key and the core of the team. After that, we, we did uh, some good decisions. I mean, with the station, with the coaching, with how splitting the teams, we we had, yeah, we we had good occasions to give, you know, everyone uh, a voice, uh, and we we listened to everyone, and because of that, I mean, there is not that many players who who leave the Titans; mm -hmm. they are just, you know, still around, maybe not playing in the team, but yeah, they love I'm the happy. atmosphere. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Uh, yeah, super happy with that. It sounds like quite a, a dramatic change between the two, but <laughs> really appreciate your honesty there to just to, to tell us your opinion and your perspective. Yeah, yeah, my um, point of view, definitely. Yeah, that's that's the main thing. It's not like it, it's just your opinion. Yeah, uh, okay. That's what we're here for. <laughs> <laughs> so, so you became the Titans coach, and then after that, you became the coach of the French national team as well. So, why did you choose to take up this role and how did you develop your skills? So, you said that you like to go all in when you really commit to something. Was that the main reason? Uh, actually, that wasn't the reason at all. Because uh, if I had the opportunity, going all in for me would have mean uh, going all in as a player so I can be the best player. So, if I had to pick, I basically wouldn't coach at all just because of how hard it is to coach and play. And I become a coach, uh, became a coach for the first time in the Paris Phoenix because my mate, uh, Corwin, who decided to invite me, uh, he was in the, in the same university. He knew that I was able to coach because I had the same training and I was already coaching uh, professionally uh, gymnasts, girls. Okay. So I had kind of uh intels about it and first he wanted me to coach once because he wasn't uh, you know able to go to practice to make it to the practice and then it, it became often more often and yeah because he kind of you know left this post open and we discussed 
why I wasn't happy with that and why the Titans <laughs> yep. were created. But this was part of the process. Then I, I was the only coach because only player capable of doing it at this time. Obviously, we had more people coming from uh, Sport University. So yeah. a lot of players could have done that. But when we started playing Titans, it was like an obvious decision for everybody because no one would have taken it, if not me. And I was happy to do that. I knew exactly how important it was and how committed I needed to be. Not only with good decisions, but you know, being always uh, present in the practices. I had to be there. And mm -hmm. I was the most kind of one of the most involved players who can also take the job. It was basically the same for the French team at this time. But when I had the opportunity, I stepped down just to focus on my player uh, goals. And yeah, I did develop my skills just because of practicing and because, yeah, I used to coach uh, basketball and gymnastic. So it helped me. Okay, so you had that previous experience. You kind of, I guess, practiced your coaching skills in other sports and then brought those experiences into Quidditch. And then by practicing the sport itself, then gaining that knowledge to then reach the heights that you did. That's yeah, good yeah. to hear. Um, so as a coach, what standards do you expect of your players? And how intense for your training sessions, both during practice and then in your players' own time? What do you expect from them? I think I, what I want from the players is that, especially during the practice, they can go hard. I mean, there is no such thing as an easy win until we prepared for it. So I'm the kind of people thinking that the more you work on something, the better you get at and this involved a lot of basics. So even though people hated it and probably still hate me for doing it at this time, <laughs> we made a lot, a ton of easy basic stuff like throwing, passing, catching. And I love to think that even though they still hate it and hated it, they are happy that in when, when the time you know, when, when it matters, they can actually catch and shoot. So, yeah, what I want from my team is to trust me enough to accept uh, any drill, any skill, and then, of course, be able to feedback and discuss in the future. But, but I need the people to trust me for at least two months, you know. Mm -hmm. And after that, uh, yeah, my job is to to be on the same page of the team. So what we started to do with the Titans uh, is just wondering, what do we want? Like, do we want to win at any cost? Do we want to, I don't know, be in the upper bracket? Do we want to win the next championship? And everybody was on the same page. It was, mm -hmm. yeah, we want to be the best, any cost. And I was like, oh, thank you, thank you guys. So now we know that. Yeah, I need you to be super, super uh, involved in this. And the training sessions, they, they get intensive and more intensive because we couldn't bring all the squads together at once easily. 
not all the players used to live in Paris. They still don't all live in Paris. So because of that, we had weekends where we could play, I don't know, maybe 14 hours of Quidditch. Wow. Because That's we had to. <laughs> That's a lot of Quidditch. We had to because we had not that much opportunity to play Quidditch. Uh, and this must be intense and i love to think that the practice is sometimes even more intense than a qc final because if you split the quidditch the titans team into both 10 roster players they can go for the title and yeah i wanted them to be intense and on my own time i wanted to be a role model you know I mean, if I ask, I don't know, 100 passes, I will do 1,000. And they will know that. And there is no such thing as luck. I mean, it was obvious that some some connections we had, especially with Valentin, mm -hmm. we started uh, at the same time. Uh, it was just no luck. Uh, and if you want to, to be, you know, uh, at the same level of intensity or of um, of how how high your standards are you you must train at least uh that much especially okay. if you don't come from you know the sports yeah I mean, that makes a lot of sense and um i think one thing i've noticed when watching the titans play and obviously playing against you guys over the years is there's just a real kind of clinical nature about the team like i always compare titans to say the all blacks in rugby <laughs> and how it's not a case of um, playing sort of fancy style and really trying to show off. It's just getting the basics right and being super demanding of your players. But because you've put in so much hard work in the trainings, you've done your preparation, and because you can do the basic skills so, so well, when it comes to those big, important games in a tournament, because you can do those things so easily, you don't have to worry about them. Um, I think that's just a real testament to what you guys do. Yeah, automatisms. <laughs> <laughs> That's the key goal here. Yeah, like quite a demanding routine, but obviously, yeah, it pays off. So he, even though you guys are super athletic, you do put in the hard work, and yeah, it's uh, very intense, as we said. Uh, so moving on, um, you've got a particular interest in youth Quidditch. So you tell us about your involvement in that and how you found the experience and also as a coach and I guess teacher in this sense, how do you approach teaching kids about, about the sport? Actually, it's not far from how I approach when teaching adults because of how, you know, the college is and how the diversity of the players playing the game is, you can have kind of the same uh, types of people with adults and kids. But yeah, what, what, what I want to, to use when I teach kids is that for maybe the first time, maybe not that often, they will play girls and guys on the same field and this mixity it means something. Uh, and this is a good moment in this education uh, process to to acknowledge that and 
yeah, I'm happy to use Quidditch to to do that. And it's also, you know, sometimes um, a, a levier, you know, a levier. <laughs> I don't know this word in English. Uh, it's sometimes something I can use to to make uh, a kid understand something important by you know, the guys will sometimes show off because they are guys and they are supposed to. Uh, and I love to be this this kind of teacher, like, uh, uh, let, let, let me let me show you how, how not tough you are and let me show you how tough is this woman I, I have just awarded me. So mm -hmm. this was important. And then the fact that the game is so you know, versatile, uh, so much stuff happening at the same time and how you can actually focus on playing off ball, kind of. Uh, this is super important, uh, in my opinion, to, to a kid uh, sport education process, a world process. Uh, and I'm, yeah, I'm just super happy to, to meet them because of that and because of how, how they welcome the the sport it would be easy to 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 fear this kind of sport and actually the kids they just embrace it and we we can do something uh, at this time uh, in the education to mm. to be uh, the cog okay yeah the, the cog of the of the process of thinking of the sport and how girls guys uh, are, are defined and how tough you can be and how smart you can be also i mean yeah that, that's quite an, an experience I, i'm not an expert the <laughs> experience is is something i like yeah that's that that's really interesting i think as someone who's also done a bit of youth quidditch myself it's something yeah. i really agree with um because like you kind of look at sort of older children or adults even they can see quidditch and go what what's this it, oh it's, it's too much for me i'm, I'm not going to try it <laughs> But at, when, you, when you're a kid and you're kind of introduced to new ideas, it's a lot easier to believe in them. Um, and as you said, kind of teaching about the, the key values of the sport, sort of the, the, the mix of the genders and all the different elements from different sports. Um, so kind of teaching the values and making it fun. So it's, yeah, it, really interesting to hear. Um, so talking more about the development of French Quidditch in general now um so the paris teams for a long time have been very dominant obviously you guys the titans have been especially dominant um and there's always been a bit of a gap between you and the other teams in france so what would you say are the challenges to improving french quidditch and sort of how in your role as you previously as the france coach and working with the fqf sort of how are you uh is it difficult to balance improving the French game and your desire to win and be the best? Mm, actually, it's quite simple. I mean, the balance is that if I want to win and be competitive, I need to have strong opponents. So in order to be competitive and to win, I must help <laughs> other teams to to improve. So this is an easy balance for me. I mean, winning against a weaker team, like way weaker team, it's not even a win. It's just an obvious statement. Uh, there is no feelings. 
in winning against people who are not even trying to beat you. Yeah. And it happens often. Like teams who just don't want to get injured. They are not here to play the game. They are here to, I don't know, not die from this experiment before <laughs> the next game. There is no such thing as desire to win and competitiveness uh, in these particular cases. And it happens quite often. Uh, sadly, because of how huge the gap is, as you said. Mm. Um, but it's still a difficulty, <laughs> actually, helping others, because we know, I know that in Paris, in the Titans, we are just being lucky, being, you know, the French is sometimes Paris-centered, and we have more people coming in Paris than maybe other towns in France. And... If they heard of Quidditch, obviously they heard of Titans, so it will be easy for them to to join us. So we had a good turnover. It helped us a lot. But I've got two two different keys here. The first one is how to help someone, uh, a nace, you know, a girl, a guy in a team who is good enough to carry the team on her back and his back how we can help those people to bring more people like him or her. Mm -hmm. This can be a key, uh, I think, because it's always uh, a core uh, situation. The the better the core, the stronger the core, the, the better the team, the stronger the team. Just see the, the Dodos, obviously. They, mm -hmm. they uh, had this core. And, and maybe the second part, I don't know exactly how to help them, but I know if we identify someone, we must do whatever to, to bring more people like him around him or her. And this can be important. And the second thing is, and we just talked about it, the, the use of Quidditch. I mean, the kids we have been uh, coach, teach uh, the last two, maybe three years, they are close to the 16, 17, 18 mark. So those people, we cannot miss them. We, mm -hmm. we involved not a lot, but we involved time. Uh, we we gave time to them. We we gave also, you know, uh, trust, uh, and we want them to to be the next generation. So so, I'm I'm not in the FQF right now, but I'm happy to to help them if this is a subject. How to handle the kids becoming young adults? and how mm -hmm. they can be tomorrow the core of teams who are sadly super far from the best team in France. It is the Parisian one, as you said. So yeah, maybe that's the two things I, I would focus on. But this is a difficult thing to do, definitely. Yeah, for sure. And I think one thing a lot of people don't realize about France as a country is that Quite the, the big, big cities are quite spread out. So you have like Paris in the middle and then maybe sort of Lille up in the north and then Marseille is a long way down south, Bordeaux a long way down west. And sort of you're talking several hours to drive between these cities. Yeah. So it's not easy to just, I don't know, turn up to Bordeaux and play a match in Bordeaux. That's, that's, a, that's a long time to travel. Yeah, a long time in money. And yeah, it, it is super important. Yeah, true. Mm. So yeah, sort of not an easy challenge, but I guess focusing on the youth and getting the right people involved and sort of within, yeah, sort of talking to the right people and getting them to inspire others um, is probably the 
Yeah, exactly. Two, yeah, two, two, uh, two good ideas there. Um, so we're going to focus more on your playing career now, um, which is obviously a good area of discussion, which I'm sure everyone's quite interested in. What would you say is your best moment in your Quidditch career? Mm, that's interesting. Um, uh, that's not the first time I've been this asked. So I, I would probably have two moments and one of them we discussed already. So building up the Titans as we know them right now and how we build up this nearly 60 people around the association. This must be, uh, is must have been, you know, the base we need to to have a, a good memories. Uh, to all the good memories come from this. So this must be uh, a good moment in my college career. Mm -hmm. uh, but actually, uh, I will go a bit fanboy here. <laughs> but my best moment is not on the pitch because there is no such thing as winning is my best moment because I'm not the world champion. So my best moment in the future right now, uh, when we go to winning, uh, my best moment, I think pretty sure is, uh, it's a, it's a fun story. It was, um, world cup 2018. And for the second time, um, uh, mailing, made me the, the honor kind of to switch Jersey. It was even the first asking like in 2016. And after the after the tournament, we had this um, open roof party. Yep. Yeah, it was in Firenze, in Florence. Yeah, I remember it well. <laughs> and, and this was like super nice party. Uh, good reason to to play Quidditch, of course. And at this uh, at this night, in this night, I was you know like this little fanboy uh, having my jersey, ready to give it to to Kadum, and he had a head of a tournament. And it was something because he was talking at this time when I joined him um, to Augie, to Augustine Monroe, mm -hmm. with, which, who sadly, you know, get injured because of Kadum. I mean, that <laughs> was something. And, and they were discussing to, I don't know what. So I joined them, two of them. First time I actually discussed with Augie. I hadn't the opportunity before and we didn't, we haven't faced uh, the USA yet. So obviously uh that's too bad but that was the first time mm -hmm. and we had these moments i am the one having the moment actually they are just <laughs> casual here and ogie made this statement like a joke and saying hi and uh, nice to meet you and then oh guys whoa what if we had to play together in a team once <laughs> and this i am the fanboy here i'm like Fuck, I still need to win <laughs> against those guys. <laughs> That's not the point. But this very moment, yeah, it must be the the best moment of my Kurdish career so far. Uh, yeah, I was just enjoying the moments as a kid, you know. Yeah. Well, like that, if I had to talk uh... to Michael Jordan. I don't know. <laughs> it was yeah. this kind of... <laughs> yeah, it's on that level, isn't it? Um, <laughs> I, I think that's incredible to hear because uh, I guess in Quidditch, like, because it's all sort of amateur and you have, I guess, obviously you have some some big names, but not everyone really appreciates that. So to obviously you being a big name in the sport in Europe and everything you've achieved here, then meeting up with these other great players, Callum and Oggy, 
and having this meeting between three of the best players to ever play the game and then just that sort of mutual respect and obviously you sort of really appreciating them and sort of being on the, being on their level yeah i think that's that's really incredible to hear yeah <laughs> what a terrifying team that would be i guess you'd have what callum at keeper um you could probably play you guys as chasers as well you and Oggy chasing maybe Oggy's a beater like yeah, yeah. that's terrifying to think about <laughs> <laughs> mm. so i guess having won all those european championships so you, you talked about that that was kind of your two big moments are there any european wins that stand out as the particularly best one or are they all the same you appreciate them the same way Mm. Again, that's a tough one, but I I like best um, I like more the Titans win than the French national team wins for some personal, you know, uh, emotional reasons. And maybe the one I love the most is the game we play um, in two thousand and eighteen maybe like the year before we we lost in quarterfinal and then we come back hard and strong and i actually we watched the game uh not that uh not that late uh and i just love how we play the game in the final i mean mm -hmm. the dodos are super good world tournaments final two but it seemed like we we are kind of untouchable at this time. We are playing good Quidditch. We are happy to play it, and not that many mistakes. We are enjoying every single of it, and we have, you know, new people coming in the team, um, and it's just working. Actually, uh, it was at this time, you know, we we had Sally, Josh uh, Chevrolier, we had Michael Poisset. They, they they both joined the team, just. At the beginning of the season, it mm. was already... As... Sami Fekak as well. Yes, Sami Fekak as well. Uh, and this was already uh, our chemistry, you know. It was already working out because of how hard we, we trained and how deadly we wanted to to be there in this particular tournament because we lost the last one. And yeah, I mean, this team... is. That's the best team we, we ever had with the Titans. Then we had, you know, Leonard leaving to Germany. So so we had some people and players uh, moving mm -hmm. around. But yeah, the, this must have been the the best the best tournament. Not only the best final, the best title, but the best tournament. We we did our best. We played good. Uh, yeah, I wish we could have, you know, after the last game. I don't know, get the plane to the USA, to Australia and say, okay, okay, let's continue. You know, we are <laughs> we are in the zone. So give us just more team to to play against. Uh, yeah. That's what this kind of feeling. So this must, yeah. Mm -hmm. the, the That's amazing. Um, so obviously, because you, you've won so many different tournaments, it's obviously one challenge getting to the top and becoming the best. But it's another challenge staying there and being the best um, on a regular basis. So how do you and the Titans ensure that you never get complacent 
going to each tournament. You're always really working your hardest to win. Yeah, uh, I think I think it's um, it's different thing helping us to to stay first in shape and then uh, play as we are not the best team. And I'm pretty sure that comes from first uh, the fact that the players in the team, the girls, the guys, they just they don't just want to be the best team or part of the best team. We have a ton of players who actually want to be the best player in the world as an athlete, as a beater, as a keeper, as a seeker, as a chaser. And winning the AQC doesn't validate this because you can be good, but you can be not the best and still win because it's a team sport. So I know that some of the players, and actually a lot of them in the team, they are not just here to win the EQC. They want to win the one versus one, use the matchup on the field. Mm-hmm. I mean, the bidding game is insane in Europe I, uh, at the high level. So being the best beater, yeah, it's not enough to win a game. But if you can say at the end of the game, okay, I was the best beater on the field, so I did my part. And I think when we are actually in this kind of zone, we are all looking as keeper, chaser, seeker, and beater to be the best of the field, on mm-hmm. the field. And sometimes it just works. And all of us, we are all winning this one-on-one. And because of that, we we seems to be unstoppable. And we think that we are. So, yeah, first thing is that we just want to be the best in the world, not just the best in Europe as a player. And because of that, we keep pushing. Then we have the same thing, in my opinion, but with the team. We don't have the USQ, the USQ Cup anymore. So we cannot know how strong would be uh, Titans against other club teams. Mm-hmm. And it's a shame. <laughs> but we know that we have to play in the future uh, with the national team, a lot of us. And we know that we are still not the, the world champion even though we are the European game champion. So in order to be the best in the world, to win the world champ, we have at least to win the EQC. So the fact that the EQC is a step is helping us not to become yeah, complacent, as you said, because yeah. it's not the goal. It's just a step on the path. And, and this helps a lot. And maybe the last thing, and I love the fact that it's still a thing in the team, is that even in the team, all of us, we cannot, uh, we cannot let someone being better than us. I mean, we have good athletes, we have stuff like this, but you should just watch how we play uh, Ultimate Quaffle. You know, we don't even play Quidditch. It's man-on-man defense. It's you know, the rules are not that clear. And mm. you have to face, I don't know, I, I will have to guard Valentin. So it will be super hard, but I want to be the best in this very matchup. And then, I don't know, we will have, uh, at this time, it was Shade versus Celi. And then you will have Charles versus Etienne. And, and, and all those people, they have to, to give their whole life just to get one meter space to get a pass. And, and this build up 
uh, how strong we, we want to be. Because I'm a keeper, Mikel is a keeper, I want to be the best keeper in the team, even though I know he's excellent. Mm-hmm. But when I go to the training, I go to beat him. And because I beat him and he wants to beat me, we go higher and higher. And at the end, we're going to, I don't know, beat the best keeper in, in, uh, in Turkey in the final. Because, well, sorry, but we, we, you weren't even in the, in, in, the, in, the, in the view, you know. We, we yeah. were just focused in this tunnel vision. And this helps a lot, the fact that no one is okay with being second in the team. So imagine outside the team. Wow, that's an incredible mindset to have. And I guess kind of thinking of so what, once you won that first CQC and going, okay, this is the level we reach, this is the standard. We don't drop below this. It's a, it's, a, it's a requirement that we reach this standard. And then when the World Cup comes around, we go up to that next level and we are trying to be the best. So I think with a lot of players in Quidditch teams, they're quite happy going, okay, I'm the best in the team. That's all it is. Not having that higher, higher goal to think, yes, I'm good, but however, I need to work on this. I need to work on that. And just having that goal of being the very best in the world is really interesting to hear. Um, so we're going to touch on that uh, EQC 2017 where you did lose um, to NTNUI Rumpledunk in the quarterfinals. It's a massive shock, and it's the only game Titans have ever lost at an EQC. Shows how high you set your standards. Um, so, why do you think this result happened? Was it just like a, a fluke result? It's completely random. Was it complacency from previous years, or did you feel there were certain issues with the way the team played? Mm, I wouldn't say it was completely random, because at this time, if I remember correctly, we missed two of our best player and started starting five, six player. Uh, we miss Leona, who was at this time arguably the best tackler in Europe, maybe in the world. And we missed uh, Jessica. Jessica Tome, she used to play beater for us and she had her collarbone broke the match before uh, on, a, on a bad move, you know, a harsh, unnecessary strength abuse. We were not in a good state of mind yeah, because of pretty that. unfortunate, yeah. Yeah, not unfortunate, just oh uh, yeah, but in, in English, unfortunate, but in France, not unfortunate at all. It, it was on, on purpose, and we hated yeah that to happen. But yeah, unfortunate <laughs> that we hadn't her. Yeah, and and yeah, so we were a bit weaker, but even though we could have win because the game was close, and we used to play not close game at this time. So maybe not for the first time, but it was one of those little time we had to play a swim situation. And to yeah. be honest, at this time, we weren't good at playing swim situation. And sometimes the French national team has the same struggle because we often go in a swim situation and France, we are not used to that because mm-hmm. either we won by a lot Either we lost in swim. <laughs> I mean, it's like we, we don't know how to. And when I coach, I'm, I'm saying to the seekers, if we cannot go plus 40, we lost the game. It's a fact. Mm-hmm. If you can catch and win, thanks. If you cannot, we already lost the game because of our game six versus six. 
so this is a good thing because it it it, it put less pressure uh, pressure on the on the people playing this, and I I think that this is still a coin flip, and yeah, this plus this. I mean, if we had to play this game in a best of five, I'm confident with us winning three to one. But the mm. fact is, it's only best of one. So yep. that wasn't luck. They played a really good game, definitely. One of their best. We were super sad when they lost the game after they beat us. We were like, no, <laughs> no, not like this in January. Uh, mm. But yeah, that, that's maybe, yeah, mi missing Leona was something. Missing Jessica was really something. She was a beast. Mm -hmm. and, and yeah, not not having that swim um, intel. We, we never even train with a snitch at the practice. It, it never happens. We don't care about the snitch. We play we play handball. We don't play Quidditch. <laughs> <laughs> and we are happy that we have random excellent snitch catcher, seeker every single time. I mean, that's just some luck here. But yeah. Yeah, that, that mm, game, yeah, it was needed. Needed lose. We we needed that lose too, so it's fine. Yeah, so I guess kind of a good learning experience for you. Yeah, it's an interesting way of looking at the game there, sort of focusing so much on the pre-snitch and then kind of going to the seekers. Well, if it's in range, doesn't matter. We've lost the game. If you catch, fantastic. Like I think that's a really good because with, with seeking especially because it's just one player. There's so much individual pressure on that player um, yeah. think, oh, I've got to win this for my team. But if they've got this mindset of, oh, okay, we've already lost, I might as well have a go. Um, I think that's quite unique. Um, and, uh, yeah, it's quite similar to the way Antonio I approached it. Yeah, we talked to Elizabeth in our last episode, who was on the other team, and she told us about how a lot of the players didn't know the reputation of the Titans and how good you were at the time. Um, and just they kind of played without that fear and without that pressure to play, and that's what gave them the win. So it's, it's really interesting to see the two different sides of the story. Okay. Um, so just talking more about that pressure. So as the Titans, you go into every single game as heavy favourites to win. Every team knows that they're in for a tough game, and if they want to win, they've got to really play their best to try and do that. And then often in the big games, like the big EQC finals and those types of games, there's a crowd. And the majority of the people, they want to see the underdog win. So they're usually rooting against you guys. So how do you deal with that pressure? Do you enjoy the, the animosity from the rival teams in the crowd? Or is it something you don't like, but you accept as part of being so dominant? Mm, especially in the EQC, uh, I like it. I enjoy it. Uh, it. It is fuel to competitiveness at this point because I know the drill. I mean, uh, I also want the underdogs to win. So I'm super happy with that. And the animosity is not such a thing in the EQC. But I experience in France real animosity from the crowd. Because people used to hate us, to hate me as a person when they don't know me. It was something to to live with at this time. Now they mm. kind of know. But I enjoyed all of those time except for those moments in France 
where the crowd were clapping when we get uh, carded. And that I hated. Mm. And that was maybe the, the only thing. Because, um, yeah, and once I, I got clapped out of a red card <laughs> from the world crowd, and I couldn't stay on the pitch because of the, you know, uh, the rules of yeah. the tournaments. And uh, I was mixed feelings. Like, I hate the fact they clap, but I was like, you know, happy that they kind of decide to go against me because I think at this time I, I was able to end it when I would have been terrified of those people doing the same to uh, a new guy, a new girl in the team asking mm. for nothing, no clue about how people hate Titans for some good or bad reasons. So I was, you know, thinking, okay, okay, I take this for me because I don't want them to go uh, against, I don't know, a random other player who did nothing bad. If I stayed, if I did something bad. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, this is important in the sport. But yeah, I do enjoy it in the EQC because there is only players, athletes, they know exactly how hard it is, how tough it is to be there. But in France, it was just, yeah, animosity co coming from nowhere. People who doesn't know what is, what it takes to be good, to be at the best, at your best. Those people were judging and that had hate as a person. <laughs> so, you know, EQC, always a pleasure. Always. Yeah, it makes sense. Well, I guess you can, you can understand why the crowd are behaving in that way. And that makes you deal with it better. Obviously, yeah, there's certain elements where you want, want to keep it fair, you want to keep it in the right, I guess, sort of positive nature of the sport. So, like, clapping people, getting cards isn't the right kind of idea. Um, but it's re really interesting to hear your take on that. Um, and of course, in a lot of these big games over the years, you were playing against Antwerp and the Belgian national team, and it kind of created this rivalry between the two we talked about in the episode with Louis. Um, so has it been enjoyable playing these matches with them? And would you say it's helped sort of produce your best performances? Yeah, obviously, uh, it was enjoyable. I mean, what would have been the European um, landscape without the Dodos outside? Um, we, I... I'm talking for myself, but I just loved the games against them, especially because uh, they decided to go a fast-paced game. And in my opinion, the Quidditch is meant to play this way. It is the only way. I'd rather quit than not playing the type of Titans and Antwerp. And because of that, it, it was super interesting because we had the opportunity to actually have a matchup, our style versus our style, actually. So who can mm. be faster? Who can be stronger? Not the kind of who can be smarter and stuff like that. Not that you are, we are not smart, but <laughs> we definitely, I, I think that a game of Quidditch should end up with 20 goals to 22 goals. I mean, this is a spectacle I, I want to see. 
uh, when I watch uh, a game of Quidditch and I want the kids to watch a game of Quidditch. Uh, and that's why uh, I'm super happy to, to fade them often. And um, also, we discussed the fact that we wanted to be the best, the very best uh, in our spot, you know, keeper, seeker, uh, or beater, chaser. And those guys, those girls, they were here to say, hi, maybe you're not. <laughs> so maybe you don't have to, to look after um, the USA or Australia. Maybe just look a, a bit, a bit to the north. You know, mm. we are not that far from Paris, and we we already there. So yeah, they, they helped us obviously to to become better because we knew for a fact that they won't just be lazy and and wait for their chance. No, they will try super hard and give everything they've got to 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 get in shape to to get in shape to to get on, on point to be good as good as we are or even better mm -hmm. so the more we look at them the more we train actually it's like it's like the mirror and they were you know faster they were younger but well we had the ego <laughs> and it, it helped us rising i think and year after year, uh, we are not happy with the Dodos leaving and with them, maybe, I hope not, but a, a huge part of the Belgium national team too. Mm. Uh, yeah, this rivalry is super important. Um, uh, one of my best moments before I had uh, this moment uh, with uh, with Kedum and, and Augustine, it could I could have said easily that when we decided to swap jersey with Sepe. I mean, that was, at this time, the best moment. I was like, okay, he's my peer. I, I'm his peer, <laughs> but yeah. Uh, he's, he's, yeah, uh, he's someone uh, I'm looking uh, I'm looking for to, to be the best, so I can be the best, not by being the best when people are not good. <laughs> I want to be the best in a world where Sepe exists as a chaser. Yeah. This motivates me a lot. Then I had more people joining Titans who were better than me, and I was like, okay, okay, okay. <laughs> that's, that's a ton of people. But yeah, uh -huh. Antwerp, Dodos. I remember the the, the purple jersey. <laughs> I mean, we, we, we went through uh, a ton of stuff uh, together. Sadly, we didn't bond that much because, yeah, we, we were not in the on the same page, but it was just needed. In, in our even for Europe, even for Quidditch, not being cocky, but the, this rivalry, the it has led uh, the the Europe more than um, a UK or Turkey rivalry. Yep. It's not the same because of the pace of the game, in my opinion. Mm -hmm. That's it's great to hear that. The uh, yeah, Louis kind of talked about it as it, as you kind of mentioned that it's difficult to really get to be friendly with each other off the pitch because you you shared so many emotional moments on it and sort of very high pressurized matches but it's great to see that kind of mutual respect there and how they made you play to the very best of your ability and sort of get the best results out of you um it's re really interesting to hear we're going to move on to this last section of the main part of our episode here um talking about the french national team so you obviously talked about 
winning EQC and kind of how that's sort of setting a standard. And the next thing is the World Cup. Um, obviously, you did very well at European Games. You won two out of the three that have existed, came second in the one in 2017. Um, however, the last two World Cups in 2016, 2018, you lost in the quarterfinals both times. So what would you say has gone wrong for the French at the World Cup? Actually, I know exactly not what was what went wrong, but why we couldn't go after the semi and the and the final, because the two time we played, we made uh, decisions and uh, we were happy with them. Um, in two thousand and sixteen, we had the opportunity with the coaching staff to pick for the quarterfinal. Australia or the USA and <laughs> I'm not sure I'm allowed to say that but I will we manipulated the game before so we had the perfect QPD so we can pick ah, that's quite clever this we decided because we were pretty sure that at this time the USA was better than the Australia the Australian team and we decided that we went there for the title not playing as usa as fanboys and we were we were okay with that we discussed with the team and at this time we played the australian team one of the best game the national team french national team had in a while i mean especially when we talked with the coach of uh of australia they, they were like yeah super super happy with the game of course they they were happy to say that we, we could have win that, not win. We were winning on the field and then we weren't able to catch. But you know, again, this is a coin flip. We, we were talking about it. I'm not even seeking, so it was just the seeker couldn't catch it because of how good the snitch was. But mm. the bubble, you know, the seeker and two beaters, they were doing an amazing job. And at the end of this game, I'm pretty sad because the snitch get caught in the one of the two tries in 10 minutes the other seeker has and you know gets um, he, he gets uh step on his feet and he's you know while while being injured caught and it's fine when he's saying it's not and we are like no no we got steel stole i don't know we have the video i won't watch the video but the video say that we are wrong yeah but i won't watch it so yeah. i am the referee and we're like okay that's fine and we had no no answer for me so it could have been us it couldn't have been we we saw also that the australian team beat the usa so maybe if we had picked the usa over the australian team maybe we would have been in the final so this happened so nothing to really be sad about we played a good tournament we played an excellent game against the australian team and according to the coach of the australian team what they did for the 2018 game world cup i mean they didn't train to beat the usa they trained to beat the france because they oh wow they wanted badly to beat us because according to them we were capable of beating them Actually, mm -hmm. we beat we beat them, but it happens not to be the results. And what they decided to do against us was 
just on point. <laughs> we had nothing to 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 offer uh, in 2018, and in 2018 we we again lost in quarterfinal, and we go overtime uh, against Belgium, and again not so much to be ashamed of because uh, that's too bad. But uh, I, I wish it wasn't that. But we have again not again, but we we have a miss call uh, uh, from the referee. We catch the snitch and they think that one of our beater is cheating on a rule he, he didn't do the right thing and because of that no call and the fact is that's too bad because the video was there the guy was maybe two meters from the action uh, because Etienne caught the bludger it was maybe too fast for the referee eye so he thought that he was uh, it was the same ball Used, mm -hmm. but it was two different balls with two di different color. We couldn't say anything else, and then they decided to say no call, and then they catch, they win, and yeah, that's too bad because if you watch the game, you're like, oh yeah, that's a huge miss call, and yeah, we never will talk about it. And maybe we could have been in the final because the semi-final was easy for Belgium, so maybe we could have <laughs> this semi-final and then the final. So yeah, who knows? We we are close. We we did play our best uh, each time. I'm happy with how the the coaching is evolving. When I am not into it, because when I used to coach, I was Titans focus. Mm -hmm. I want people to stick to stick to the plan to the Titans plan. Uh, it works the first time, but now in the World Cup, it's not working. Definitely, uh, not enough. So yeah, that that's some bad luck in my opinion. That's too bad because with you know the the VAR uh, with the with the video we could have yeah. probably been one. And... Yeah, some some really sort of close moments there in both both those. Yeah, that's too bad. Sometimes you yeah, sometimes you win, sometimes you lose. It's fine, but yeah, not not a shame of of the of the team, and I think that the French national team can be even better, stronger. Depends of how. Uh, how we train, how how much we train. It, it's super hard to make the chemistry between players from Titans and other players, especially when the coaching is not exactly using the strength of the of the the players from Titans. Sometimes it's super hard. So yeah, yeah I don't so... have I don't have answers actually. <laughs> <laughs> That's really detailed. Um, I found it quite interesting there how you were able to. Because obviously, all the tournaments and the group stage, they work on like quaffle points difference. <laughs> now you to work, okay, we need to score this amount of goals. And then deciding your destiny for the quarterfinals, which is quite a unique position to be in. Um, and uh, yeah, I guess because you had that choice and you made that choice, you don't feel particularly bad about it because of course. It, was, it was in your control and you, you did what you could. Um, and yeah, as you said, like it's it can be difficult to get all the national team on one page. They come from different clubs, or different identities, different approaches to the game. Um, but as we've kind of, you, you've said throughout uh, this episode, you're uh, really determined to go out and win the World Cup. That's your sort of ultimate goal. And uh, it'll be interesting to see if you can achieve it once uh, we're allowed to play again. Yeah, definitely. That's why we're here, still here. <laughs> <laughs> Super. It's a, it's a great goal to have. Um, 
So that's the main bit of the episode. Um, so we're going to move on now. A few minutes to do the mailbag questions. So a bit of a shorter period to wrap up the episode. Um, thanks again to everyone who sent in their questions. Um, we've got some good ones here for Albert to answer. Uh, first one, which actually comes from Mikel, your good friend. Uh, <laughs> what did you say? Does, does having that majestic beard affect your gameplay? Yeah, definitely. <laughs> does it improve your game? What is what? The, the, does the beard improve your game? Oh, it improved my motivation, maybe. So, yeah, in a way, he's, he's right. He must be all right. He knows me better than I know me sometimes, so, you know. As well. <laughs> uh, what gameplay, sort of via rule and or referee change, like what, what modifications would you add to prevent slow balling? Oh, and I cannot go, okay. Um, I mean, probably the first thing is to think about a shot clock. I don't know exactly how to put this, but it must it must be uh, answered in this. And actually, what I think uh, people won't like it, but what, what I think is, uh, if we had no snitch, if we had no seeker, and we have just uh, you know shot clock plus only quaffle point counts, the game will be a more a bit more fast pace. I I love I thought about it. I love the fact that maybe the snitch is still there, but when you catch when you catch the snitch, it's minus ten. So you have to be plus twenty. And this means a lot to me because I want the sport to be spectacular because in my opinion it's the only way we get more support, more money, more people watching, and yeah. more occasion to play Quidditch, actually. Uh, and the game at this point in the rules, actually, is not spectacular at all. You, you can win. Uh, we could be way better with Titans by not playing the game, and that's a shame. We decide mm -hmm. not to. And I, I'm going to quit Quidditch if someday the team asks me to, to focus on winning uh, at any cost using this. And yeah, maybe the shot clock, maybe the sneeze, maybe we have stuff to do, but that's an issue for me. Okay, so a few different ideas. They, they have trialed a shot clock in some sort of test games in MLQ, I know. Mm -hmm. um, so it's something that's been thought about before. Um, yeah. I guess that the minus 10 thing is quite interesting. Sort of really encourages people to go out and play and to attack. Yeah. So potential ideas are interesting to hear. Um, this one. If you could pick one team to play on of the Titans, who would it be and why? Oh. So as a keeper? Mm. I'd be happy to play Chaser in... Uh... The Australian team with Kerum playing keeper, I think, mm. for not obvious reasons, but I, it looks like he doesn't have uh, someone with a connection like I have with Vanessa, uh, which he can rely on at any any time. So mm -hmm. I don't just want to play with him; I want to train with him so we can be uh, at this level. And at the keeper, 
I'd love to play uh, probably in a team with. Um, I'd go. I'd go kind of emotional again, but I, I'm pretty sure I, I I'd love to play with Lindsay Marina because we know uh -huh. each other, and I I'm just I'm just asking myself uh, since she can ca catch any 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 pass, what will what will be the game if there is an unguardable player, Lindsay, let's say, on the field. I mean. We don't have such people, such player like the the best player we have in France. They have not the 100% catch and shoot. Mm -hmm. So even when uh, the girls or the guys are open, it's not an obvious goal. So let's say that she's that 100% uh, accuracy, which maybe she's not. Uh, I'd be yeah, I'd be curious to see because I uh, I will just make her the best scorer of any tournament. Mm -hmm. which make me the best kind of uh, assist <laughs> at, the, at the tournament, which I'm super happy to. And yeah, uh, how do you defend someone indefendable? Because you have also to defend the hoops. That's, yep. uh, that's a team I, I would love to play. Well, that's a very good answer. The two very different kinds of answers there, playing as a chase and playing as a keeper. Mm -hmm. Interesting. Um, which team France would you say had the best roster? Oh, you mean in the past? Yeah. Which of the the additions of the team is the best? Oh, uh, that's a tough one because, in my opinion, it's not about additions. More than how uh, how other teams uh, react to to our our squad. So I I'd say that our best team was when Leonard was there and no one knew him. Mm -hmm. uh, especially the game against Australia, where he did just the best game of his life and it's like Yeah, it's an incredible individual performance. Yeah, it's it's just that. incredible. It is just incredible. 2016. Uh, but the day the, the next the year after that, no two years after when he he came back for the 2018, he could do nothing because they knew how to to deal with him. So even though it was the same guy, he was useless in this particular game. Uh, I think the last squad, and especially how uh, the team used uh, Lenny. Uh, Lenny, uh, Lenny is the one who caught in the final match uh, last Aegis. He played chaser, he played seeker, and everybody has been, everyone has been uh, just playing good the world tournaments. But these additions, if we are talking about additions, he is not new to the game. He's not new to the national team. He has been here forever. But we kind of decided to give him more respons responsibilities, more responsibilities than he has in his own club, the Frog, yep. the Paris too. And it just works perfectly. And I remember the game, the, the final. He wasn't the first seeker on the list because we have people who are just here to seek and people who are just here to chase. And I remember saying to him that we discussed this earlier, but this is your tournament. You, you're going to win it alone. Not alone, of course, but 
you will catch. It's a fact. It's meant to be, you know. Mm. You you did your best on the chasing events. We we trusted you. We gave you the ball when it when it, when it matters. Where something we used to do with Vanata, we did with Lenny, and Lenny is as good as Vanata, but in uh, in speedy more than tankiness. And mm. and he went for the catch and code, and it's like yeah, we we build up. I say we because the coaching, the players, we, we are yeah. all behind him. And so we build up this guy to be, yeah, probably at this time, the best player in France. At uh-huh. this very time. And wow, that's addition is something. Yeah. And so, now he knows how good he is. Yeah. Maybe, yeah, for sure. maybe the World Cup is. Even better, yeah. <laughs> yeah, definitely. So, yeah, quite a different kind of perspective, I guess, on that question. Um, we've got one more question for you. Um, just to finish on, kind of to wrap everything up. Um, so what would you want your legacy to be in the sport? Oh, legacy. Yeah, <laughs> it's a big word. <laughs> yeah, I'm not, I'm not even sure I, I get how how big it is. Um, I wish the legacy will tend to to play a more fast-paced game. It has been the whole subject, uh, the whole how, the entire how, how but I wish uh, Titans and I, we we put the basis of how the game is meant to play, is meant to be. And it's not in a, in a game where you only score twice. I mean, I hope that this is the, the future of the Quidditch. Even though I'm far from being, you know, useless on the pitch and, and mm-hmm. old and stuff like this, but my legacy, if, if it's something, mm-hmm. yeah, I will go with that. I will go with that. Uh huh. That's a, a nice, yeah, it's a nice uh, kind of way to sum up everything that you're trying to achieve with Tyson's with France. Um, yeah, that's all we got time for. There's a bit of a, a longer episode, but hope everyone's enjoyed hearing what Albert's had to say. Uh, before we go, Albert, would you like to tell the listeners the details for your Twitch stream so they can find you? Yeah, definitely. Uh, I, I'm streaming sometime every day, sometime not a, not a day in, in the week, and it's twitch.tv slash titans, like you know them, with an S underscore senders, S-E-N-D-E-R-S. I did spam <laughs> sometime <laughs> on, on the Quidditch uh, Europe so you can find me and I'd be happy to to discuss stuff with you if you want to hang out and stream or just think about uh, something Quidditch related or not fantastic something people should uh, definitely check out oh Albert thank you very much it's been, a, it's been a real pleasure <laughs> yeah my Always pleasure my um, pleasure super so, again, thank you for everyone for listening and for sending in your mailbag questions for Albert to answer. Um, if you want to stay up to date with future episodes, please give the Total Quidditch Facebook page a like. We'll be announcing upcoming guests on there and, of course, giving you a chance for you to send in more of your questions. So, until next time, keep yourself safe and live the game. Goodbye. Goodbye.